Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, this morning, I'm about to preach one sermon that you very much enjoy. I know you love sermons on the gospel, sermons on prayer, but this one you particularly like. This morning, I'm teaching on evangelism. Yeah, that's the response I expected. Listen, I've told you many times, Christianity is a miracle of changed desires. And one of the powerful, profound ways to prove that God has changed your heart is that there are some topics, some interests that you wouldn't normally have as an interest when you were in the world that interests you now. The Bible says there is more joy in heaven over every sinner that comes to repentance. If that's the joy of heaven and you are of heaven, it must be your joy. Say loud, amen. amen. So you must be very interested in the training on evangelism and the message of evangelism because I mean, whatever else we do as a church, if we don't know this one thing, we have failed because that's the crux of why we exist as a church. Many years ago, and I can say this now because I believe he has changed. You know, after a Sunday service, I had this meetup with a pastor. And he looked at me and asked, so what did you teach in church today? I said, oh, we have this evangelism series. And he looked at me funny, evangelism? You know, and stylishly told me how that if, <laughs> you know, if I wanted our church to grow, I should teach more interesting things. And it was very shocking hearing that from a preacher. We must abominate this satanic idea that we have to keep feeding to people what they are interested in. That's not how to get people to grow. Otherwise, when you're raising a child, all they will eat morning, afternoon, night is candy. And they will be sick. Praise the name of the Lord. But if you know God has changed your heart and this is a topic you are very interested in because God is interested in it and he has changed your heart, I want you to give the Lord a shout of amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so the theme this morning is viral church. To be viral means to become popular and to circulate quickly from person to person. I'm bold to announce to you that we are stepping into a new dimension of evangelical effectiveness as a ministry. Say loud, amen. amen. On the 30th of August, I had an encounter, and I finally ha I have a release in my spirit to share that with you. The Lord speaks to me in many different ways. 98% of the ways he speaks to me, I mean, uh, when I'm awake, he doesn't speak to me through night visions very much. And I prefer to be awake. Just speak to me through an audible voice or an eyewitness or whatever, visions or whatever. But this one was very profound. It was a night vision. And I found myself in a lobby, walking across the lobby. And at the other side, in the opposing direction, there was a general in the body of Christ, you know, an apostle, walking down with a protocol. I could descend from the dream that he was about to go and minister. And as our paths crossed, the person who was his protocol began to tell him about me. Oh, this is Pastor Emmanuel Ren, Celebration Church. And in the dream, he broke forth into prophecy 
and began to say, the Lord will do this and do this through you. And he said something of the many things God has told me about this ministry and the impact we will have. He said something I heard for the first time. He said, and for the billions that God is going to use you to touch directly. This impartation is coming on you. And he laid hands on me. And I woke up with my whole body vibrating physically with the anointing of God's spirit. Listen, there is nothing I've ever told you that God said we should do or that God said will be done that has not been done. So I'm telling you now so that you will mark it. This ministry, directly or indirectly, I wish I had enough time to explain that, will impact more than a billion people. You see, I'm telling you what has been done. And let me tell you the power of prophecy and why I believe the Lord is asking me to tell you this. When the prophet says, by tomorrow, a morsel of bread will be sold for this amount. When you believe it and embrace it, you become a part of it. When you don't, you're excluded, you're exempt. So when, when God says, through us, more than a billion people will be reached, if you believe it, you become a part of it, and God expands your capacity to participate in this new move of God. And I believe with all my heart that that's why you're here today. This is more than a sermon about to be preached. It's an activation, a spiritual activation. Say loud amen if you believe. In fact, say this with me. Say, I'm a part of the move of God in my generation. Say, I'm a part of the move of God in my generation. Hallelujah. That's very important. And I want to start today by sharing with you the resounding prophecy of Joel. In Joel chapter 2 verse 28 is a text that we all know very, very well. In Joel chapter 2 verse 28, it says, It shall come to pass afterwards that I shall pour out my spirit on all flesh. You see, I believe that the phrase all flesh is the most powerful phrase in that particular verse. Because then he begins to explain the different demographics that will be imparted by this move of the Spirit. By all flesh he meant sons and daughters shall prophesy. Old men shall dream dreams. Young men shall dream see visions. So he's telling you nobody will be left out. No matter your social status, God is not going to assess how much money you have in your account before he chooses to use you. All men, great and small, rich and poor, male and female, old and young, will be part of the move of God in the last days. Say loud, amen. amen. There will be no segregation or discrimination. This is so important. And so from this, we can learn two very important lessons. Number one, no one is too insignificant to be used of God. Listen, you have to receive this from your spirit. No one will be too insignificant to be used of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26, Paul the apostle shares along this light. He makes an observation about many of the people that were used of God in his generation and in history. And he says this 1 Corinthians 1 26, he says, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. He says, just look around you. See the people that God is using. How many of them come from influential homes? How many of them come from rich families? How many of them, you know, 
are of a noble status in the society? Not many. Not many. And you see, the ultimate example of this is seen in the incarnation. Think about it. If you were God getting ready to come in the human flesh, what type of family will you come through? And what kind of looks will you give yourself? You know, just imagine that, I mean, in heaven there are computers where different heights and different um, spans are located to people, you know, as they're about to be born. They're just programmed. Make him, make him short. Reduce the height. Okay, you make him tall. <laughs> you know, and as Jesus wants to come, he would just go pick the best, you know. He would just pick one color of eye like this. Or one shape of nose. So that when you behold him, you behold him as the only begotten of the Father. <laughs> he could have done that. But there was nothing noteworthy about his physique. History had nothing to say about it. Isn't that notable? That when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, nothing was said about his height, his span. There was nothing extraordinary about it. And of all families, he chose to be born to a carpenter. And of all places to be born, a manger. If it was some of you in the womb, when you just spy and see where they want to burn you, you would turn sideways. <laughs> so the doctor would check and see stomach. Ah, what is happening? <laughs> you know, you just do like this. When you are ready, call me. <laughs> Go and find Radisson. <laughs> you know? But he didn't do that. And of all the people to work with, he went to the shore, the seaside, and he chose fishermen. Why did he do this? The Bible tells us categorically in the next verse, verse 27 of the same chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, For God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame those that are mighty. So you see, the religious leaders of that, those times were the elites. They were the establishment. And God will bring someone from a low background just to make a point so that when you see nations paying attention to him, you check and you see that there is nothing from him from an intellectual standpoint that would have endeared people to him. And then you know this is the hand of God. You know this must be a prophet of God. He said he uses the weak things to, confirm, to confound those who think they are mighty. But also, not only... Is nobody too insignificant to be used of God? Nobody is too significant to be used of God. Let me tell you this. As you rise in life, you must hold this dear to your heart. Embrace it. Otherwise, as you go on in your life journey, some beautiful traits that you love and admire right now will begin to die off. You will just discover that it's been long since you made a bold decree about the gospel, told someone about Jesus, you know, and things like that. Now, because, you know, of the privileges you have, you're now a lot more conscious and all of that. Money and fame must never dull your senses. And your receptiveness to your spiritual responsibilities. And the good news is we have so many good examples to learn from. I keep sharing this because I'm fascinated by it and because it has a lot to do with my assignment. You know, I can't get the picture of my mind. When I get to heaven, I want to watch the video of Zacchaeus on a tree. 
just to see Jesus. You have to understand, in those days, men wore flowing gowns. Even with trousers, to imagine a rich man, an influential man, just imagine someone is walking on the street and Dangote wants to see him and climbs a tree. It's going to be quite a sight. Talk less of the man wearing flowing gowns. Jesus is coming and he's so determined to see Jesus. He doesn't care what people think. He leaps off his flowing gown and he climbs a tree. I want to see it. Because that's a picture of hunger and honor. And a reflection that no matter your status in life, you can still love God fervently. And not really care much what people think. Because you have a strong sense of priority in your life. You know what matters the most. Come on, are you listening to me? This is so important. Or like the Ethiopian eunuch. Just imagine. You have to understand, owning a chariot was like having a Rolls Royce today. You know those type of cars when pe people drive past you, you're like, wow, you know. And then you're trying to see who is inside because you want to wonder, the person, does he have two heads? Have you? Don't lie. Have you been fascinated? I just want to see who is driving this car. Now you're pretending I've been. All right. Whatever. But, but the Ethiopian eunuch, he's, he has a chariot and he's going. And Philip comes close. And to his amazement, what is this guy doing in the chariot? He's reading the book of Isaiah. Now, that's an influential man that loves Jesus. The Bible was careful enough to tell us that he was a man of great authority. By the way, he was a black man. He was African. You know, reading the Bible. Reading Isaiah 60. And you know what's interesting? Philip, who isn't really an influential man but knows the word of God, comes and says, do you understand what you're reading? You know, if it's today, you're driving a Rolls Royce or any nice car and someone just comes close, someone you don't know, you say, ah, what's happening? Shift, 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 shift. Or you give this squint. You know, I've told you about that squint. That all rich people develop eye problem. When they see you, they try to, as if they don't remember you. You know, Allah, you open your eye. You know me. We school together. <laughs> but you know what? Much to my amazement, the Ethiopian eunuch says, oh, you can explain this to me. Join me. You know, and so, Philip hopped into his Maserati, you know. <laughs> you all are kind of. <laughs> Philip hopped in and explained. No, hop. Let me not use hop. So let me not distract you. So, yeah. <laughs> Philip joined him in his chariots <laughs> and began to teach him the word of God. That's just beautiful. Or you want to talk about Cornelius, an influential man in the army, and a fisherman comes to your house because he knows the gospel. You lie prostrate. And Peter has to tell him, no, no, don't do that. Now, that's, that's so beautiful. Nobody is too significant to hear and to embrace the gospel. Jesus is for everybody, great and small. Hallelujah. I said all of that to say this. The modern-day evangelist, if there is any such thing, must recognize how much of a privilege it is to have some form of social, secular influence. He must recognize it as an occasion to preach the gospel and to spread the influence of the kingdom. So Esther was reminded 
You are in this position for such a time as this. Reckon that God brought you to this office for the sake of his people. It's a mentality to have. Very important mentality. That as an evangelist today, I can stand on two legs. I have social prominence and yet I'm an evangelist. Like Luke, I'm a medical doctor. But because of my experience in academic research, I can study about the life and times of Jesus and contribute. Writing two books of the Bible, the book of Luke and the book of Acts, explaining excellently the life and times of Jesus. You have to see how God has given you a platform in your office from which you can beam the light of the gospel. And why is this important? Because God doesn't look at anything you have to listen to you, but men do. And every social influence you have endears people to you, and it's an opportunity for them to hear anything else you have to say. Recognize this and use it well. Are you with me? I remember some time ago, I was doing a teaching on the Lordship of Jesus, you know, the etymology of the words, you know, the Greek words, what the Bible had to say about it. Yeah, and thank God for the rich God has given us, but we wanted more. Right around that period, Justin Bieber just put on his Instagram, Jesus is Lord. And in minutes, I saw millions of likes and comments. And I just went through the comments, and I'm just like, in my mind, I'm like, you ungrateful people. <laughs> like, this is one sentence. I have a four-hour teaching. How about you check it out? He didn't even explain. I explained well. And I was checking. Let me see the church members who are here. <laughs> because whether you like it or not, there are just some people, because of the position that God has given them in society, everything else they have to say would be important. Think of the time um, Neymar, the last time he won the Champions League and the last time he was with Messi, just so you know, so that you understand that something's about to happen again. Anyway, well, anyway, I'm not going to start that. And then when he was done, he put on a headband that had Jesus 100%. And that message went viral. Hallelujah. He didn't even explain. You know, as, and as a preacher doing all the work, I just say, what's, you know? <laughs> but it's something you have to know and appreciate. The platform that God has given you and how you can use it for the propagation of his message. So, like I said, an evangelist today must be willing to stand on two legs. You must be willing to be effective in your God-given assignment. And then you must be willing to be effective in your divine purpose. I've explained what purpose is to you. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So your purpose is to know Christ and to make him known. That's it. You have an evangelical purpose. But then your assignment becomes the vehicle through which that purpose is actualized. So when you are a medical doctor or an architect, God has brought you to a world where you meet people you would never have otherwise met. 
and it's the power of common interest. Because you have a common interest, you have, you know, a common ground. They listen to you more. There are some people that you will reach better than the best preacher in the world. Just by the proximity you have to them. Use that influence right. A simple example of what I'm telling you is this. The Bible tells us that Paul was a tent maker. And because of his tent making business, he met two people, Priscilla and Aquila. They were a couple. And somehow from tent making business, the dynamics of the relationship evolved. Paul must have preached the gospel to them. They got saved. They got filled with the spirit. They became disciples. They became ministers of the gospel. What brought Paul together with all those people? Business. Are you getting what I'm saying? That two very effective ministers of the gospel in the Bible came to hear the gospel in the office. Does that mean you're not in the will of God if you don't have a great career? No. What I'm simply saying is that your career, great or small, is meant to be a medium for the propagation of the gospel. There's a book that I want you all to read. And I'm not really one to recommend books, but I'll recommend this one. And I won't particularly say I 100% endorse everything in the book, but the message overall is very important. The name of the book is Seven Mountain Prophecy by Johnny Enlow. He has two books, Seven Mountain Prophecy and Seven Mountain Mantle. And what is the book about? He's simply saying that there are seven spheres of social influence. Mountain is a metaphor for spheres of influence. If you are going to transform any society, any nation, there are seven spheres through which that society can be influenced. Namely, media, government, family, celebration. Celebration, by celebration it means arts and entertainment. Religion, economics and education. I take it again for those of you writing. Media, government, family, celebration, that is arts and entertainment. Religion economics and education. Now, I'll be honest with you, when I first read the book, I had reservations about it because it looked like everywhere in the body of Christ, the church was looking for an excuse to do everything apart from the main work God asked us to do. So people didn't want to really preach the core gospel. They just wanted to do kingdom, you know, and there was an emphasis on giving alms, which is very important, but at the expense of the core message, you know, the way there was a lot of emphasis on you are the light of the world. And so people came to church and what was top of mind was just to excel in their business. And that was the emphasis. Some churches you go to on a Sunday morning and you wonder, is this Harvard Business School or am I in church? The things that were discussed, you know, so I just saw that as another excuse. You know, and um, at that time, phrases like marketplace apostle became popular. And I'm just like, First and foremost, God can reach the world through your career, but your career is not ministry. You have to understand that. And people even began to say things like, you don't really have to preach. You know, there's lifestyle evangelism just by your life. People will hear the gospel. And you see, that's proof that they don't know the gospel. People can never know the gospel by your lifestyle. Because the gospel even states or suggests that your lifestyle can never get you saved. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So nobody by observing your works can understand the gospel. 
You have to share the message, the news. And so, so those were some of the issues I was having. But if we keep what is core as core and what is most important as important, we still go on preaching the gospel as we should, evangelizing as we should, and we're going to spend the month, this month, teaching you how to reach out to people and all of that. I want to tell you unequivocally that we cannot evangelize the world if we ignore the spheres of influence that this man is talking about. It's not possible. And it seems like the church doesn't really understand this. And so I believe with all my heart that this is a message for the body of Christ. The church is doing so much and reaping so little. There are some things that seem to hinder the influence of the church because there's a lot of things that we have ignored. I will show you one of them. I want you to open your Bibles. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. This is very sensitive and very important. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. When I saw this years ago, I mean, I didn't know what to do with myself. I was, so, I was so shook by it. Look at what it says. It says, therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Verse 2, for kings and for all who are in authority. He said, pray for kings and all who are in authority. Why? He says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So he's saying, if you pray for them, it will affect you. It will affect the church. If you pray for people in authority, then you'll be able to live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. Now, when I read that the first time, I put my hand on my head. I said, bad governance or bad governance will affect the church. So you know that? The reason we must, we must pray for people in authority is so that we may live a quiet and peaceable life. Let me tell you something. If someone in authority wakes on the wrong side of the bed and just passes one law, that hinders the church. Let me tell you what I've noticed. The church is more particular about being faithful than being effective. We just feel, you know what? I will just preach. Even if it's only two people that listen, I did my part. I was faithful to the end. And that's good. There's a place for that. In season and out of season, we'll preach. But he said to make disciples of all nations. Is it possible or not? So don't just make it about you and about your nobility. And how even though it's just you and your family, like Noah, you're going to stay faithful to the end. Dream big. Dream the visions of Abraham. God said, I will give you children like the sons of the seashore. That's what we should think about. And now we should begin to bother us seriously. That a government, let me tell you this. Can I speak freely? Something has to change. So, as a church, maybe we just send 10 missionaries to a country that is hostile to the gospel. They preach for 10 years, then all of them are killed. In 10 years, maybe they have 20 disciples because it's an underground church. When all their pastors are killed, then normally about 18 out of 20 disciples will return to the world. It's just normal when they don't have an example. Then out of the two left, one is serious, the other one is not serious. So what is the impact? 
Are you getting what I'm saying? What is the impact? And we will continue to do that. But how about we try something else? There has to be something more. Just, just lift the laws restricting the spread of the gospel in some nations. You will see what will happen. But you have to understand, if we will live quietly and peaceably, in all godliness and, and reverence, there is an environment where godliness can thrive. That's what Paul is telling you. We need it. It's something to pray for. It's something to seek. And so if you can get involved, get involved, you have to see. Let me tell you something. There is something about what I'm talking about that the people of the world seem to understand better. They want the power, they want the influence to push their satanic agenda and the church is just like a day ago. That has to stop. Are you listening to me? Let me give you another example. Let's talk about the media and sex because both are one and two. What is the Bible's instruction for the believer as far as moral and sexual uprightness is concerned? Flee. You will never get to a point of depth in your work with God, no matter how deep your tongues are, consonant and vowel, you know, there are some tongues that are crow, crow. You know what I'm saying? But no matter your depth in spiritual things, Joseph, if they hold your clothes, leave it and run. Don't stay and speak in tongues. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, the Bible is replete with instructions like this. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Flee all youthful lusts. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Flee sexual immorality. It's run away. Maybe King James is not helping you understand. Flee means run away. But now, what happens where the media has littered your environment with the things you are meant to run away from? And now there is nowhere to run. Do you know what that means? There is no biblical answer for the plight of this generation. No biblical answer. None. So now, because of the media, even unsolicited, it will pop up on your screen. You will see a good movie. It is going very fine. You're enjoying it. Then there will be one scene. Now, you are used to it. When you were new in the Lord, you used to fast forward. Now, you don't even fast forward. And do you know the impact of that? Many of you seated now with your Sunday best, you are damaged. And you know who you are in Christ. Yes, it is true. By grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. You know, but the truth is there is still a struggle. Because as long as you are living a life that is inconsistent with your Christian testimony, you won't really experience the peace of God. Isn't that true? It's true. So it just looks as if the devil left the pews to us and went to station himself where mind formation actually happens so that there will be constant contradictions. Can, can I speak freely? Why do you think there are so many scandals in the church? I know it's convenient for you to say, ah, all these people. Do you understand what I'm saying? You think the people that is happening to, they want it? Something is happening. There are a lot of honest people that just have issues. Eight-year-olds that have porn addiction. It, do, do you know what that means? Maybe you don't understand the power of the mind. Paul said this. 
in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I know you know it. Open it. This is very important. Open it. Ataka pro seekers. Let me tell you something. If you are in church in this season, God must have a plan through your life. He brought you here for a reason. There's a reason you're hearing this. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God in your life. Listen, if your mind is not transformed, you will know the will of God. You won't be able to prove it. That's what he just told you. And so you will love God in your spirit. But if your mind is damaged, do you know how powerful the mind is? You know, I was listening to a preacher, a Baptist preacher, very circumspect, very disciplined. He said, he's in his 70s. He said in his entire life, he has only seen one nude picture. He saw it in his youth by mistake in a magazine. He said he still remembers the image. Do you know how powerful the mind is? He said, I saw it quickly. I closed it. I still remember it. So he's like the devil said, keep preaching. I will wait for you on Monday and on Tuesday and on Friday. My wife makes movies and I know how much it costs to have a simple short film, movie production. It costs a lot. So now the question no one is asking is, how come there are billions of free porn materials on the internet? Who is bankrolling? Uh, are you ready for this sermon at all? There is an agenda. There is an agenda. Who is sponsoring? We need to wake up. When you talk about family as a sphere of influence, do you know how powerful that is? I've seen a lot of Christians, tongue speaking, but you just know something happened in their background that there's this. It's almost as if they struggle throughout their life to overcome. When a girl child raises, is raised without a father, do you know the impact? Now you wonder, she's so strong in the world, but every man that comes to her, even if they know they are lying, they just want to believe. Just craving some form of, just for someone to listen to them. When the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he will not depart. You think it's a joke? So if the devil now destroys the family front, do you know how that affects the church? How many, can I talk? How many marriages were broken in the past seven days on the internet? There is war. There is war. And these things happen in spite of preaching. We do services twice a week and these things are still happening. We cannot evangelize the world ignoring these spheres of influence. It's not possible. It won't happen. Or you want to talk about economics? There are two temptations everyone will face. There is a stage in your life, it looks like, you are just struggling to put food on the table. And this is no justification for anybody who steals. But not everybody steals because they are thieves. Some, it's almost as if, if they are going to survive the next day, something has to happen. And it's a temptation where the devil comes to a hungry man and says, turn stone to bread. 
cut corners, make it happen. And even though you overcome that, then maybe you eventually get a job, praise God. There's another temptation of power and influence. It takes you to a high mountain. You see all the glories of the world. He says, if you will bow, I will give it to you. And thank God that you were strong enough to say, get thee behind me, Satan. But on your way back, you see other people who were taken to that same mountain and bowed. And you have been faithful. There is little appreciation for your art, for your craft, for all your labor and your efforts. And you see people who don't have half the talent and the gift you have, you know, with slick cars, you know, posting it online with suspicious captions. You know I'm talking. And sometimes the temptation is stronger through other people because we don't want to be left out. Let me tell you this. Many have not paid attention to this. I know you know the parable of the sower, but do you know how powerful that message is? And that it was told by Jesus himself in Matthew 13. Just to be sure you understand the parable, the seed represents what? The word of God. Notice in all the instances, there was nothing wrong with the seed. So even with the most viable seed, with the most powerful sermons, you are a church, you do everything right, you fast, you get a message from heaven, you package it well, you preach it. But yet, even though the seed is viable, it says some will fall by the wayside. Ah. This is why the church is doing so much and reaping so little. Some will fall, fall by the wayside. Some will fall among stones. What did he say the stones represent? The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. So you preach a good sermon on Sunday, but on Monday, the guy remembers he doesn't have a job. And he, listen, he was really blessed by that sermon. But you know what Jesus said? He said the tongues will choke the world. By Wednesday, it looks like reality has made him forget. He has forgotten. These are real life issues. And when you forget, the devil is dangling people around you who are waiting to embrace you the moment you choose to compromise. Is this not the strategy? So Jesus himself tells us that even the most powerful sermon will still need a proper environment to thrive. Because seed cannot grow on a table. That's what he tells you. Think about it. What God promises us is not just a new body. It's not just that we'll be new men. He promises a new heaven and a new earth because God knows that is not enough to change the person and leave him in an old environment. So the promise of salvation is not just for people, but for systems. Are, are you listening to me? So now, if you have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the age to come, you won't only be passionate for the transformation of the hearts of men, but for systems. Because the wrong systems would I mean, will frustrate even the best of people. We need a new strategy. While we keep our core, 
there is something about our approach that can change. We must pick the brain of Moses, learn something very important. Let me tell you this. When God showed up in front of Moses and told him, I've made you a deliverer. You are going to bring your people out of bondage. We stand in his shoes. There are people to be brought out of bondage. But the mistake we make is we don't ask the question Moses asked. Moses asked, how will they listen to me? That's a very important question. How? It would be foolishness to do the same thing and expect a different result. God, this generation, they're not listening. How? And you know what God said? This is very powerful. Let me tell you this. If you learn this, it will change your life. All right. You know what God said? He said, what's in your hand? And Moses said, a rod. He said, drop it on the floor. He dropped it on the floor. He turned to a serpent. Picked it up. He turned back to a rod. Now, let me ask you this. I hope you know that magicians, I'm talking about the magicians of Egypt. Magicians are not omnipotent. You're aware, right? Most magicians just have like some tricks in their bags. If it's 20 tricks or 100 tricks. So God must have known that one of the tricks the magicians of Egypt had was that they could drop their rod on the floor and it will turn to a serpent. And of all the strategies to give Moses, he gave Moses the same thing. So Moses must have been confused when he went to Pharaoh confidently. And to show up, show, show off, he dropped his rod. And, and Pharaoh just looked and laughed. Started calling his magicians one after the other and they were all dropping it. And it was turning to serpent. But here's the thing. The Bible says the rod of Moses swallowed up the rod of all the magicians. How does this relate to what I'm saying? Let me tell you something. The same strategy that the devil has used to keep a people bound is the same strategy the, the church will use to set them free. The same. The same. They've been using their rods to deceive. We will use rods to set people free. And we will do the same thing better. So listen, you know what we have to do? We'll go for those mountains. We'll go for those fairs of influence. And that's what you have to begin to pray about. You have to stop seeing your career as something apart from your spiritual assignment. It is a spiritual assignment. That this, in this educational world, God, how can you position me to influence my age? I must salvage the coming generation. Save the children. This is war. This is war. And some of the things we don't even appreciate about the people ahead are very important. Do you know how strategic it is? In the coming generation, you will understand how strategic it is that a, 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 someone like Bishop David Oedipo has two universities. And you may, maybe you say Babcock has one, there's Bowen, you know, and all of that. So imagine what is happening in the US. They try to do it here. That they say, um, this is what you must teach. Just by the positioning of the church in those areas, it will be very hard. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, this is important. And God is going to position you. Position you. And you have to be ready. So he will bring you to positions of influence for the sake of his gospel. Be open to it. Think about it. News reached us yesterday and the day before. The underground church in Afghanistan, all the members have been executed. 
And yes, long term, we're like, oh, glory to God. They are with Jesus. But I'm just like, is that it? Is that it? So what is going to happen to the country? Uh, see, I have bigger dreams. So. I have bigger dreams. And you must also. God is going to use you powerfully. Say loud amen. amen. One of the biggest challenges of the church is we lack discernment. We think the devil will always wear red and have a conspicuous horn on his head. The Bible tells us that the angel, the devil will present himself as an angel of light. I want to say some things. Many of your fave musicians, especially the ones in the U.S., are witches and wizards. Take it from someone who has spiritual descent. Some, many of them cannot attend a service like this. They will fall down. Some of them cannot be in the same room with me. But the thing is, instead of having a platform called Church of Satan to propagate their message, you know what they did instead? They rebranded. And they started using music. But we, we are too obvious. Even our evangelism, when we go for evangelism, we wear banner. So from far, they will know, ah, you're about to preach. Too obvious. Even Jesus sat on a well with a woman. It was until halfway, the woman knew what Jesus really wanted. She was keeping the, the conversation open in case he wanted to toast her. Read down where. He said, do you have husband? She said, no. <laughs> it's true. But some of you are too obvious. Too obvious. Let me look for trouble a little. A gospel, someone in the world will get born again. In the, in, in the music industry, will get born again and wants to sing, then we'll rebrand the person, give the person cap, remove her earring, give her long. It won't work. We are, we are joking. I'm not talking about anybody. We... I'm sure you can descend my heart. This is serious. This is serious. So we need to know. Let me, can I tell you something controversial? You might never hear it from a pastor. We can all be Christian musicians. We don't have to be gospel singers. The reason for the decadence in the music industry is because we left love songs to Satan's children. That's part of the problem. So there are some talents we are wasting. And can I tell you something? Church people, if you notice, church people don't like in between. If you want to do gospel, do dunsi. Let's know. Do, do you understand? It's either you go full. If you are in between, do you understand what I'm saying? Don't wait. Reach. We need more people in this other side. Are you getting what I'm saying? This is important. Let me tell you this. Don't laugh and get carried away. God is imparting you for such a time as this. There are still Josephs, there are still Daniels that will be better than all the other advisors and astrologers and magicians. God is taking you to positions of influence by His Spirit. His Spirit is bringing order in your world by you. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, Reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000.
blessings. Mm-hmm.